Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, and welcome to episode 14, season two of This Spiritual Fix. Today, we are going to be talking about all things hypnosis and brainwaves and all sorts of deep regression stuff. Enjoy. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Look into my eyes. Are we doing ASMR now? We're doing hypnosis. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hi, Anna. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> We are doing an episode today on hypnosis, which is not what you think it is, most likely, unless you're one of the few people who actually know what hypnosis is. <laughs> oh, ambient sound. It's called my dog with very long toenails walking on a wooden floor. <laughs> That's as ASMR for you. You're seriously doing ASMR right now. <laughs> yep. He's good. Yeah, you just, yeah. You just hang out over there. Cool. He's a, I wish you guys could see how cute he is. Just kidding. No one wants to hear about my dog. Okay. Let's start all over. <laughs> I like the way you started it, though. You should start okay. it again like that. Look into my eyes. What's in your eyes? We're going to hypnotize you today. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. We're just talking about hypnosis. <laughs> but we will do a release on you at the end. That she just gave me right now. Anna and I. Hi, Anna. Hello, Christina. We're here in person today, and we're super excited because we're going to be talking about hypnosis. And we're in person. We are. Which is great for, for people with emotional permanence issues. <laughs> really works well. I totally appreciate it. Today, we're talking about hypnosis. And what I really love about hypnosis is hypnosis has this like, look into my eyes, stare at this clock, you know, or the stare at this watch. And, and we have this like Hollywood, there's like Hollywood version of hypnosis. And then there's real life hypnosis and kind of like childbirth, like childbirth, Hollywood childbirth. It's like dramatic and loud and painful and scary and fast. And like real life childbirth is like very long and drawn and out and boring. And actually with my first birth, I didn't even have pain because I did it in the water and it was nothing like Hollywood. So Hollywood should not be our source 
of information, especially with hypnosis. Now, in Hollywood, you might see or you might have gone to like a comedy club or one of these like big event, you know, when icebreaker events where they hire hypnotists, where they make you stand around and, you know, cluck like a chicken and do this and do that. But when we're talking about hypnosis, what we're really talking about is being able to have someone, including yourself, put you into different states of brain waves. Mm -hmm. And so first you want to talk about what are those brain waves? Because I'm sure you've heard of, you know, alpha, beta, theta brain waves. Ooh, I'm going to play this nice YouTube meditation with theta brain waves while I sleep. Like, what does it mean? What is a brain wave and what are the different brain waves? Let's start there. Yep. Before we discuss the brain waves, Christina wants to just tell you a little bit about some random topic. Here we go. It's not really a random topic. It actually relates because it has to do with other kinds of waves, electromagnetic okay. waves in particular. Okay. So... This is kind of a controversial topic. I'm going to admit that right now because a lot of people were like, oh, the reason we got coronavirus was because 5G came up. There have been countries that have denied 5G, but it is often, often has to do with the fact of information security as opposed to the wavelengths of everything. I think there was even a meme going around that showed that when 4G came out, that's when we had the pandemic the H1N1 pandemic, and then when 5G came out, that's when we had the COVID-19 and blah, 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 blah. That's not what I'm talking about today, but I don't want y'all to conflate that kind of stuff, which may or may not be true, depending on your belief system, with what I'm going to be talking about today, which is electrosmog. Okay. Uh, so there is a understanding among people in depending on where you go, but people who are doctors, people medical, with, in the medical field, in the medical field, that there is an effect that electricity and I'm not going to even bring up Wi-Fi today. I'm just going to say that electricity can have on our, our biophysical makeup on our physiology. And it is, if you're an energy worker, then you've probably dealt with this a ton because this happens all the time. Like if you, most, so many of the releases that I do, I do releases on polarity and brain spin, which has a lot, which is highly affected by electromagnetic fields that are happening in the ambient world. And it could be that there, a lot of them are man-made. So I wanted to bring up today biogeometry. I just want to tell you guys a quick story because I think it's a very interesting thing is there is a man um, by the name of Dr. Ibrahim Karim and he is a master of biophysics, biogeometry. And he is a and he is the main proponent of this system called biogeometry. He wrote a book called Back to a Future for Mankind. And it's all about biogeometry. And the thing that I really loved about this, I first came across this on a random chance on Gaia uh, TV. It was just a 10-minute story that I'm going to tell you guys in a minute, but the thing that I really loved about it when I started reading his book was that he talks about the quality of physics, like the physics of quality, which just to give you guys some context, like we kind of in the, in the medical field at the moment and in most fields, we, we treat all things as the same. So even in gardening, in gardening right now, phosphate that gets derived in a fertilizer that's in a little pellet form that gets, you know, derived from some chemical and is completely devoid of any organic matter, is completely devoid of anything, it's just phosphorus or phosphate in whatever form it is, is considered the same 
as phosphate that is naturally derived and is put into your soil, right? There's no difference in science. Phosphate is phosphate. Phosphate is phosphate to science, right? It's the same thing with supplements. So a lot of people talk about how your food is your medicine and other people are like, well, I take plenty of supplements, right? There are other people who believe that the nutrition that you get from a supplement that's made in a factory is not the same as say the magnesium that you get from, that's derived from food, whether because it's because of bioavailability or just simply because of the quality of how it was derived. And bioavailability, you mean our body's ability to absorb it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So there's, you know, you can get into a like for like comparison about all sorts of things in nature, right? That, that you're going to say, okay, well, magnesium here or magnesium citrate here is not the same as naturally derived magnesium citrate. And you can get into all of sorts of arguments and I'm sure nutritionists and health and energy workers all get into these conversations all the time. But I think it is a very interesting thing to recognize that we really don't have a physics of quality. There are very few of us who are like, this is better. Like this form of, of, of frequency that's coming from a tree is the same as the resonance that's coming from this Wi-Fi machine. And therefore, I mean, that's not at all comparable, but you, my point being that we don't see them as different, right? We don't, we don't have an understanding yet in our science that there is a difference in the quality of what things of, of things that happen mm-hmm. around us. Right. And what comes into our body and what comes around. Our well, body. yeah, like this, but I feel like on some level we do understand because you can easily eat a restaurant, you know, a slice of lasagna from a restaurant, say, and it has the exact same, if you put it in a lab, it has the exact same ingredients as the one your grandma makes. But I guarantee you that the grandma one's going to taste better because it's made with love. And that's a quality that you cannot measure. Yeah. And that's, and that's the human body is infinitely capable of understanding quality, but science is not. Right. Science probably cannot show any difference between those two slices of lasagna, but I guarantee you, I can feel it and I can taste it. Right. Because there's all sorts of stuff that the human body, the human body is basically the most sensitive instrument that we can possibly have ever created on the earth thus far. Dousing is a great example. I've talked about dousing a lot. Dousing, if you're, I've done dousing in the ground for geopathic stress lines and for water to find that. And some people can find it and some people can't. Like some people, like I don't, there's, and there's nothing that you can really do to fine tune an instrument of a human that's sensitive to this versus sensitive to another. That may not be true, but oh, I think you can, you can enhance your psychic abilities by removing resistance in your mind. Well, that's probably true. I don't know if it, I've never tested it with dousing is what I mean. Oh. But my point being that everybody's instruments a little bit different. Some people are highly sensitive to a lot of different things and that doesn't mean that they're just making it up and that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. They may just be more sensitive to the quality of what's coming into their bodies. Total side note, did you know that Uri Geller, the Israeli psychic intuit, was hired by mining companies to douse for gold? And he'd be like, okay, or not gold, oil. He'd be like, okay, for a million dollars, I'll do it. And they would like take him up in a little chartered airplane and he would like douse with his hands, no tool, just his hands over all these land. And he'd be like, he's like, dig here and you'll make, you'll find your oil. And they did like the president of Mexico gave him all these gifts for helping them with their petrol situation. He used his own hands to douse for oil and yeah. made millions. And I think that's so cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's when you get into the using the body as an instrument, it's really fascinating. And I say using the body as an instrument because it's all sorts of dousing. It's whether you're dousing for water or gold or oil or things that are happening in people's bodies or any of those things, we can fine tune our sensitivity to whatever we like. I just contradicted myself, but I do actually think you're right that we can actually fine tune our, ourself by doing our shadow work 
to, to be sensitive to whatever it is. So getting back to biogeometry, Dr. Karim, he has taken effectively ancient Egyptian symbols and his goal with these symbols is to change the quality of the electromagnetic fields that are coming into our body that are created by man-made sources. So if you wanted to look this up for the more detailed story, it's you can look up the miracle of Hamburg. There is a place called the Hamburg, Switzerland, and there was a pilot research project that Dr. Kareem was asked to come um, to Switzerland to help. And what happened was that the the Swiss Mediation Authority for Mobile Communication and Environment, along with the leading government telecom provider, which was Swisscom, basically came and said, Dr. Cream, can you come and help us out? Because what they had done is they had put a cell tower in the top of a church, and immediately after that, everyone in the, in the town complained of headaches, migraines, and an increase in all sorts of wow. things. Probably because the sacred geometry of the church just magnified that cell phone exactly. that tower, or that tower. Exactly, exactly, right. So you have it so that they had an increase in, it was a, they say they installed a 900 megahertz frequency antenna. Uh, and they were even by law allowed to do an 800, eight, sorry, an 1800 megahertz frequency antenna, but they had only done even half that level. And basically what happened was that everyone was complaining of all of these ailments to their doctors. There was an increase in irritability. There was an increase in like arguments. There was an increase in all sorts of stuff was going on in this town. So they said, okay, Dr. Kareem, why don't you come to this town and see if you can figure something out. And what he did was he actually, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's amazing. So he analyzed, so basically Dr. Kareem came to this town. He analyzed the situation and he installed geometric forms on the actual wires that were going into this antenna. And the, it was basically chosen that the antenna, antenna was gonna be the main conductor of biogeometrical energy, right? Because it was already emitting a frequency of electro, and that was causing electrosmog, which was causing people to have, to not be able to sleep, to have lots of headaches, to be very aggressive, and to basically be sapped of energy. So they said, okay, well, we're gonna do the same thing in here. So we basically just twist-tied biogeometry shape to these wires, and within a certain amount of time, it was shown that it affected everybody positively. And I don't believe that people knew that this was happening. And they were a, yep, go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying, I'm looking at the website of his pendants and shapes, and they just look like Egyptian hieroglyphics. Yeah. They're just all these like squiggly lines and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, and so basically after doing the work, they found that people were able to sleep better, they had fewer headaches, they were less aggressive, and they had more energy. They could also say that the birds and bats that had moved away from the town returned. Oh, bats, that's cool. Bats and and birds that had moved away after this. And so whatever, it, it not only changed around the frequency of whatever the antenna itself was emitting, but any of the other low frequency creators in the town were basically then What made if he better. was like opening portals to Egyptian deities that we don't even know about. Like, did he know what he was doing? That's it. I think he knows what he's doing. Yes. But that's a really interesting point. I wonder if there's something to that. The, when, when we look at this, basically what he's doing is he's going back to the physics of quality is this idea that he's actually changing a frequency that does not jive well with the human body or with the environment. Basically the, the energy then runs through these symbols 
and it changes its quality to a better quality. So some of you who may have studied something about water or may or may not have studied something about water, Victor Schauberger was a great example of a scientist who recognized that water that was meant to go through right angles lost its quality, right? Because it was basically forced to turn and water doesn't want to turn, it wants to flow. flow. Uh-huh. And so one of the ways that you can restore the quality of water besides doing it with the dousing, which you can do as well, is to create curvy lines and basically create and, and agitate the water in such a way that you're creating a vortex, which then allows it to re- retain its quality. It's the same thing that's happening with the um, electrosmog. It's turning it from electrosmog into something that the human body actually wants to be able to take in. So that's that's biogeometry, but it has to do with, with frequency, but just a different, not brainwave frequency, but something that is amenable to the human body. And we'll put in the show notes a link to this guy's shop because he has some interesting devices to yeah. harmonize your home. I have one on my wireless. I have like a little plastic thing on my wireless router. It's plastic. It looked like metal in the photo. My, I have a necklace that's metal that has like all the symbols on it. And then I also have, which I have to charge every day for like one minute on both sides on this little charging plate that has Egyptian hieroglyphics, which makes me feel really special. Because, <laughs> And then it also, the actual... There's ones that I've put on my electric panel, and then there's ones that I put on my wireless router. But I also um, learned the other day that you can put pieces of styrofoam in your electric panel too, which also helps oh. with the negative effect of it. So. I want to put the charging disc. It looks like there's some sort of disc that you can put objects on top of that will eliminate any mm-hmm. poor quality EMF. Mm-hmm. I want to put them under my mattress, and then uh, my mattress will be charged. Yeah. And then I'll just go to sleep and be totally restored by the Egyptian gods. Thank you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. Cool. So hypnosis. I'm super excited about this. Okay. Moving right along to hypnosis. Okay. So the first thing we're going to talk about when we talk about hypnosis are the different brain waves. So what is a brain wave? A brain wave is the way that electricity coming off your brain oscillates. Oscillate means just turning. Brain wave is basically a measurable wave of neurological activity, electricity, coming off the brain. It can be measured in the EEG, and different parts of the brain are emitting different brain waves at different times, but we have basically five distinct brain waves, and I'll give you an example. Beta is the brain wave we use living in our life day to day. It's like the physical reality brain wave. It's like basically we're mostly in beta all the time. It's our conscious mind, yep. Right. And then you have alpha, which is the state you go into when you are meditating or maybe manifesting or kind of in a light trance state. Then you have theta. Theta is a deeper type of mental relaxation. It's more deep than alpha. And you're more prone to have a flow of ideas in theta. And for example, if you're driving in your car and then you get to where you're going and you don't even remember driving, you are probably in theta. Like you're probably being hypnotized by the rhythmic, redundant nature of the highway that puts you into a theta trance and then you got to where you're going and you're like I don't remember driving you're probably in theta so hypnotic trances or or I don't even like the word hypnosis necessarily let's say different theta brainwaves or alpha brainwaves where you're going into deeper states you're doing them a lot driving your car uh, watching television. You know, you go into these states, like we were watching a documentary last night on Rumi, that Sufi poet Rumi, and when his teacher died, he found a pole, and he just started holding onto the pole and walking around it in a rhythmic, rhythmic, he just started walking around this pole. Circ- it, circ- yeah. What is it? Circumambulate. He started circumnavigating around this 
pole over and over and over again. He probably put himself into theta because then he started spewing out these beautiful poetry. He started spewing out beautiful poetry that was rhythmic and rhymed and all this. And that's where a lot of the poetry that comes from Ruby came from was when he was in a theta state. Another brainwave state is delta. And this one is greater in amplitude and it's considered like a very deeper level, like a spiritual dimension level. And then you have the gamma brainwaves, which is very under-researched and little known about gamma. That's the state, the brain state of say monks who have been meditating for decades. Okay, so gamma is like a very deep, gamma is probably, what is it? Samadhi. Samadhi. Yeah. Gamma is probably Samadhi, the state of, of trance that is ecstatic bliss. Ecstatic bliss. Yeah. So the, yeah. Anyways, so those are the, those are the five states. We'll just go over real quick and then Chris is going to add to them. You got beta where we normally live, alpha where you're centered and meditative, theta, which is like when you're in a kind of a deeper trance, AKA driving your car and you're forgetting, or like, let's say for theta states, for example, let's say you have, you're allergic to anesthesia. They can use theta wave to get you to go into like such a deep trance that someone can operate on you and you won't wake up. And then you have Delta, which is more involved for spiritual work or deeper, deeper, deeper states. And that happens a lot in sleep. Like most people fall asleep in Delta. So you have to really train your mind to be awake and in Delta. And then you have Gamma, which is the deep state of the monks. So what else do you want to add to that, Chris? So one of the things that I learned when it came to dowsing is that the alpha frequency is one of the best for when you want to be able to do use projected intuition, which is what I've called in the past. But I won't get into that right now. We'll talk about that later. But the reason I bring that up is because in dowsing, they were talking about the these same brave weights, and they were saying them in response to the fact that most zero to three, like when you're between the ages of zero to two, you are likely going to be operating in almost only delta brain frequency. And then as you get older and you go through the separation anxiety part, like all that kind of thing, that's when you, that's when theta comes online for babies, right? So then theta, the theta frequency comes on between the ages of two to three. And then between the ages of past three is when alpha comes online, which is when both sides of your brain start working. You have the left and the right hemispheres and you're kind of working in a different way. And, but alpha is usually mostly strongest on the right, which is why kids are often very creative they're doing things like that and they may not be logical at this point because their left hemisphere hasn't quite come online in the same way and they're also more intuitive and they're also more intuitive which is because they're operating almost entirely in alpha and almost entirely in the right hemisphere in the creative uh, right brain and then when you're between basically and the fascinating thing about that is that you start going into alpha particularly uh, strongly when you get your new teeth, when you get your adult teeth, which I think is really interesting. Is that scientifically backed up or is uh, that from the Dowser guy? That's from the Dowser guy, so it's not necessarily... So we don't know yeah. if that's science, guys. Yeah, but I think it's an interesting side thing that may be pseudoscience. And then from that, you get into beta, right? So as soon as, you, as soon as you're going through puberty, you're into more of the beta frequency, which means it's more of your left brain. More and tethered to the third dimension. Right, and it's also, it's around 20 cycles per second that your brain is working at and it's a very particular frequency that works with that. And yeah, so I think it's a really interesting way to 
see it in a different way as we develop as our brain. Versal that the way that the that we develop is correspondent to those brain waves because there are other cultures that are separate from the mainstream society that actually live in theta, delta, beta, alpha on a daily basis. An example of that are indigenous cultures that have dream tribes within them that are separated from mainstream society and they're isolated and they do go back and forth between Theta Delta. There's an indigenous tribe branch of the Sinoi people in Malaysia, for example, that they they live in Theta and Delta, like they measure this and they actually communicate through dreams. So someone in one tribe and a neighboring tribe will actually communicate via dream um, in Theta and Delta states and then they'll like everyone reconvenes at like 4 a.m. And then they'll have meetings in the middle of the night where people come together and discuss their dreams and people have had like full-on conversations with other members of the tribe when they were in theta and delta states because they're just like, they navigate through these brainwave states so fluidly, unlike us in the Western culture and probably, you know, in parts of Asia that are, I'm not saying what I want to say, civilized. I don't like the word civilized. I don't want to use the word civilized, but I want to say... I would say patriarchal cultures. The patriarchal cultures of most of the world that are not they were, isolated. We're mostly in beta, which is the third dimensional. This is reality. There is logic, logic. to everything. Yeah. I'm very limited in what I can see. My intuition is turned off. That's your beta state. It's seeing is believing versus believing is seeing. I always like the way of... of I mean, that can be dangerous in these times, but that's one of the main differences that happened when the whatever you want to call it a, a patriarchal culture a quote-unquote civilized culture which is not necessarily or a developed culture or a if you want to call it a taker culture which i've i've referenced before all of them are seeing is believing like the only thing that you can believe in is the thing that you can see whereas the other cultures the matriarchal cultures usually but the levers that whatever you want to reference them believing is seeing right which is kind of what the Buddha says. The first line in the Dhammapada is basically paraphrasing, form follows thought the way a cart follows the ox. Yeah. All right. Now that we've given you a little basics on brainwaves, we want to go into the four states of trance. Christina will lead this part. Yep. There are four states of trance. And the first one is light trance. And the thing is, is that there are a lot of us who can only get into a light trance state. And a light trance state... You know what's going on around you. You can hear things that are going on in the background and you are mildly open to suggestion, but your conscious mind is still kind of in the, in the driver's seat. You may be very relaxed. You may be hearing things and your subconscious is still able to, but think of it as like kind of a smaller trickle of water of what is happening is really getting deep into your subconscious. The next state up is called fake somambulance. Somambulance is is I believe that it's called that because it actually somnambulance means sleepwalk and it but it is not necessarily indicative of sleepwalking in this particular case but there can be a case in fake somnambulance is when you are in a state that feels very deep but you still have quite a barrier between your subconscious and your conscience and so it's a little bit more than a trickle that you have in a light trance but you're not really getting into that super deep state where you are open, completely open to suggestion in the same way. Can you give an example of that? Well, in that case, you're probably hearing things on the outside still, but it feels like you should be very deep. Like I get a lot into that like yoga slips. Is that like the yogic sleep when you're listening to a lecture and you just kind of nod off? 
it's similar. That could be some ambulance though. So it's like, it's, it's sometimes hard to tell the difference between them. It's sometimes hard to tell the difference between whether or not you're in fake or real, but it usually has to do with how, whether or not the outside sounds are bothering you or you're aware of them or not. Right? Like, so you can still be in a deep trance, but if you're like, Oh, I'm still thinking about my kids cause I have to worry about them. Or I'm still thinking about like this and this and that, then you're probably in fake. Some that's number two. Okay. Yeah. And so number three is real some ambulance. And a lot of hypnotists believe that you can only make true, deep, lasting change in real some ambulance, which I think is an interesting, it, I think that that's a controversial statement. If you're a hypnotherapist, would probably be able to say more about that. Real some ambulance is when you are in a state and you are completely open to suggestion and it's like the river is flowing over the waterfall. Like, like your subconscious is wide open. You can pick anything you want out of it. You're super wise. You're super, yeah, you're super wise. You can pick anything out of your subconscious and you can also put anything into your subconscious. And, and then the last stage is coma, in which case you're not even aware of anything that's going on. Although on a people come level. out of coma saying they remember. They do. They do. That's why it's still a, a that's why it's still a level of trance. Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, a question we can ask is how effective is hypnosis in terms of healing or psychotherapy? This is a very interesting study coming from Dr. Alfred Barrios from the American Health Magazine in 2006 that hypnotherapy compared to behavioral therapy and psychoanalysts is, I believe, far superior having done all three. Hypnotherapy, you get 93% recovery rate after just six sessions. Behavioral therapy, you get 72 after 22 sessions. And then psychoanalysis, you get 38% after 600 sessions. So hypnotherapy is by far more effective and quicker. Six sessions is like six hours. Behavioral therapy is 72% after say 22 sessions or 22 hours. And psychoanalysis is only 38% after 600 sessions. And like, no offense to my friends who are in therapy and go to therapy, but I have friends who have been going to therapy for years and I don't really see big shifts and changes and aha moments in them. No offense, but like they've been going to therapy for freaking years and I don't see much change. And then I see a friend go do a hypnosis therapy with my shaman or an RTT session and they come back with like a million insights and shifts. I gave a hypnosis session to my dear friend who went back into a past life she saw herself as a, not a disciple, but Jesus in the Middle East. She was mm -hmm. one of his followers. So what do you call that? Yes, yeah, a disciple. Yeah. Well, she wasn't one of the 12. She was a student. She of was this. a student yeah. of yeah. Jesus, like back in the whatever. She was a follower. She yeah. was a woman. And ever since that session, she's like living out of her heart and her whole life has changed and her face has even changed. She's like bright eyed. And she says how, how that memory, that hypnotic state helped her get re in touch with that state of love. And it's like, all right, you could have done 600 sessions divided by 12. That's what, 100 years? If you go to therapy, no, 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 hold on. If you go to therapy once a week. That's 50, 60 divided by That's 15. 10 years. Yeah. 10 In years. 10 years of therapy, she couldn't get that. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say here. Anyways. Yeah. I have some, I, can I give some more stats? Yeah. So in a 2004 study, 81% of smokers who attended a set of three hypnotherapy sessions were able to quit smoking. Results from 18 unique studies confirm that those who received the hypnosis lost more weight than 90% of those not receiving hypnosis. They maintained the weight loss for two years after the treatment ended. 
55% of women in labor who use hypnosis were able to avoid epidural. That was me for both mine. Yeah, compared with 22% of people not given hypnosis. I did hypnobirthing, which is if you're pregnant or thinking to have a baby and you're listening, hypnobirthing is awesome. It's how to put yourself in a hypnotic trance while you're in labor and you don't need meds and it lowers your blood pressure. Wow. I was one of the 22 who did without and well you do have the second time it was really fucking hard but you know how to <laughs> meditate which is basically putting yourself in alpha yeah and then the american journal of clinical hypnosis in 2004 found that hypnosis has a 77 percent success rate for drug addiction sweet so the moral of the story is we are advocating hypnosis yeah. for for radical change in yeah. fact marissa peer has a whole type of th- therapy called rtt which is rapid transformational therapy and when I Before I did an RTT session, I Googled it because I like to do background research on stuff and third-party reviews on stuff. And it was hilarious because every single one of the five-star reviews and every single one of the people advocating for RTT was like, this is amazing. It's changed my life. And then the only bad feedback about RTT that was out there was like, Marissa Peer must be a cult because her people are saying they got so much results so quickly and that's impossible. And it was funny because the only critics of RTT were people who had actually not done it. They were only speculating that it couldn't possibly work, but they had actually not done it. But like anyone who actually did it was saying how awesome it was. And it was just kind of funny because it's like, we have such, we have such a false belief that, that transformation has to be difficult and it has to take a lot of time. Guess what? It can be easy. And it can be quick, which is exactly what hypnosis can do for you. Putting yourself into these deeper states of, of mental brainwaves can accelerate your healing process. Yeah. The, the way I like to think of it is that, like, imagine you have a car, and that car is exceptionally dirty. And maybe it has a whole bunch of trailers and shit hitched to it as well. Like, like imagine that you just have, like, your psyche is a... Is a is a car with a bunch of with a roof rack and uh, everything is just like totally filled with it and then you have a trailer you're pulling a trailer in the back and it's covered in dirt like it's covered in mud and you cannot see into it and the shadow work that you do can help you to clear off the windows so that you can even see how to get into the car right and uh, the shadow work that you do will help you take the roof rack off and it'll help you take the trailer off right but hypnosis is one of those amazing things that can help you get into the car. Like it can help you like actually get into the car so that you can try and drive in a different way as opposed to like just trying to get into it. Like, like if we're always struggling to get the access to that deep stuff, hypnosis allows us to get straight into the car and be like, okay, now I need, now I know who's driving this car. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's like, kind of, yeah. The way I kind of see it is like, if you're living in the beta state, Time is so slow. You need 10 years of therapy to get 30% of the results. You get into alpha state like meditation, boom, boom, boom. You have all these insights. That's You just sped up time. And then if you can go deeper like into theta and have like deep, deep, deep spiritual awakenings and insights, you just sped up time more. So it's just kind of like, it's just like more bang for your buck in terms of time. Like just put yourself in a different mental state and you can get, you can get better results. I, I just, I'm a huge fan of efficiency. For example, before I learned about this one exercise, I'll give an example called BBG. By Kayla Itzines, this Greek woman. It's like, I thought that to get the results I wanted when I worked out, I had to work out an hour in a day. And then I find out that actually I can do, get the results I want 
exercising 28 minutes a day, three times a week, and then just do some other stuff on the other days. And I would get exactly the results I wanted because sometimes it's just about, it's just about, it's just about doing, I don't want to say there's a right and a wrong way, but there's like an efficient way to do things. And then there's an inefficient way to do things. And if you're like me and Chris, where, where time is really valuable to you, you really want more bang for your buck. You really want to just get an RTT. Like I don't want to go to therapy for 10 years and only get 32% of my results. Give me an RTT, sign me up. And let me just be fucking awesome yeah. in succession. Yeah, and I can't help but think this, and I know this may be controversial to say, but I just feel sometimes like psychoanalysis may be just allowing you to still stay in the drama triangle. Like, to bring it back to that, like... That, well, it's like Einstein, It depends on your therapy, maybe. But like therapist. Einstein says, you cannot solve a problem with the mind that created the problem. And yeah. psychoanalysis, I think, is like a dog chasing its own tail. A lot of it is just... Yeah that it's like how are you supposed to get out of it someone can give you an insight that can help you but are you realizing that insight yourself like an, an insight given is not an insight taken if that makes sense like you can give somebody all the insights they want and they and if they can't take it in because right. they're still thinking the same mind then it doesn't really well, they're, matter they're stuck in beta i have a great quote from ram das who is currently my my teacher from beyond the grave and he says Meditation stems from the truth that who you are is more than who you think you are. I think that's really, really important. Meditation stems from the truth that you are more than who you think you are. You are more than your beta state, guys. Your walking, eating, drinking state. Open yourself up to the belief that there's more out there. You have an alpha state, theta state, delta state. Hell, you even have a gamma state. And so meditation or hypnosis, we could say, is the belief that there's more to you than meets the eye. There's more to you than this beta. There's more to you than this, this, this world where things are stuck. Like you can put yourself into alpha and you can really open up the potential for how you see the world, how you interact with the world, how you see yourself. Yep. And I think people can do that chemically too. I mean, that's why there's a draw to LSD and ayahuasca. These are things I've not done, but... I think a lot of people are also drawn to psychedelics and those kind of things. I know Ram Das was in his early years because they can put you into these other states of mind in a very quick way, but they don't last. So I'm an advocate of putting yourself into these states because then you can access them whenever you want and you can still go to work. <laughs> you don't have to go to work on LSD. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, moving right along. One of the things I do want to talk about though is it's really interesting because the logical mind, the beta mind, is able to be incredibly effective at killing your efforts to want to get into these other states. It's a funny thing. I think that probably in cultures in which the beta is not so revered, then the, it probably all isn't like this. to the beta king. <laughs> Let's all hail the logical mind. Everything else doesn't exist or is not valid. Or Beta you're... could also be called the Virgo mind. Oh, it could, could it? No. I don't know kidding. about enough Just about kidding, Virgos. We, no offense. But one of the things that's really interesting, and I mentioned this before with saying that believing is seeing, is that you know when it comes to imagination, when you are in a hypnotic state, or when you are trying to get into a hypnotic state, or when you're doing a past life regression, or when you're doing any of these things, what will happen is you will 
everyone's experience is different, but for most people, they will start to see images in their mind. And I don't mean like, it's not like you're there, like you don't feel like you're there, but you know, you may get something come up in your mind's eye that says, I'm here and I'm doing this and I can hear this. For some people, it, it's not nearly as vivid. And for some people, it's very vivid. It just depends on where you are. But I kind of want to emphasize the fact that the alpha is the imaginary space, right? So that's one of the things that, that they teach you in dowsing that I learned in dowsing and how to get into the alpha state. Anna's going to talk more about other ways of getting into the alpha state in particular. But one of the ways that I was taught to get into the alpha state in particular was that you need to be able to activate the five senses within your mind's eye, right? Not in reality, not in this, not in this external environment, but you go into your imaginary field just like you did when you were a kid just like you do when you're daydreaming and you start to imagine what a tree that you see in your mind's eye feels like. And you start to smell the pine needles that come off the tree that's in your mind's eye. And you start to um, hear the crunch of, of the pine needles underneath your feet, right? All of this stuff is what it does is your mind, we always say your mind can't tell the difference but when you are having these experiences, these sense experiences within your mind, within your imaginary field, that is one of the best, uh, what I've learned so far, and Anne's going to say, like I said, another one, but one of the best ways to evoke an alpha state within your mind, because if you think about it, our mind has generated, okay, depending on your belief, but I've said before that I believe that the mind has generated the matrix field that we are in, right? So this this table and this chair and all this different stuff. Yeah, the ma matrix lives on the beta wavelength. Right, exactly. And so if the matrix lives on the- share in this, We all share in this- <laughs> This communal- We have this communal- Prison? No, we don't- Communal illusion. <laughs> communal illusion, right? Yeah, and it all share exists, the communal illusion. And of... it all exists on the beta and it's logical and it follows all the things. So basically the beta- you could think of the beta as, as having generated, I don't actually want to give it that much credit, but we all perceive the world with our senses, which then comes into our beta fields, and then we're able to do that. We can obviously still sense the world when we're, we're operating on the different levels, so it's not necessarily like that. But my point being that when you use your imaginary field, that field that we all think of as like the kid's, the kid's playground, it's actually a shaman's playground, right? It's actually our ability to be able to evoke sensing experiences within our minds and that is what generates that's a really great way to generate the alpha waves and you know when it comes to i know a lot of people believe they have trouble believing that anything that happens in their imagination is real and to me i kind of feel like i mean even in math you have a real number and you have an imaginary number and you know they're always diametrically opposed real reality and imaginary are opposites of one another and so when you then come into an alpha state or you come into a past life regression or you pass something when you're in a trance and you're seeing something you have to your your venn diagram has to have two overlapping circles suddenly and you have to recognize that what's showing up in your imaginary field could be real and and as i like to say because sometimes i've had past life regressions i'm like am i really seeing this am i really experiencing this it doesn't matter if it's real or not if you're having an emotional response to what you're seeing that was your mind's way of needing to express or make sense of an emotion right 
sometimes these images are simply puppets for our soul. You know, like the visions and memories we feel and see are puppets. Like an example, which I'm going to get into, is in the Silva mind control method. He talks about how he was visited by Mother Mary in a dream in the theta or delta state. And he says, I don't know, I don't believe Mother Mary actually visited me. I believe my soul and my deeper mind had a yearning for this message and to make it obs like to make it that I would absolutely not miss the message it, the message came to me in the form of mother mary which i would associate as divine and very important so he he says you know when he talks about that he says she may it may or may not have been mother mary that's not the point the point is i had to be given the message in a way that showed the importance to me and that's why Mother Mary visited him. He said, if, it, if I had been Buddhist, it probably would have been Buddha visiting me. So sometimes it doesn't matter who the messenger is, it's the message. Yeah, and that's that reminds me of that movie Contact. I love that movie where... Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, where she goes through the, the wormhole and she ends up in Pensacola with her dad. Yes. And the, and the aliens are like, we went through your memories and this is the form that felt the best, like that you would be able to yeah. receive so what heaven, we were saying. So heaven, for her, heaven is Pensacola with her dad. Yeah, exactly. And so, so my point being that a lot of what they tell hypnotherapists is that people have to feel, they have to believe in your ability to heal them and they have to believe in your ability to to get them into this state in order for them to relax enough to get into the state so if you're going into a hypnotic session just recognize that your belief in this in in it is playing a huge part in your ability to mm -hmm. relax enough to be able to evoke these states right when i was in pt school i remember one of our professors was giving us a lecture about about healing rates and i don't know if the lecture was about healing rates in regular patients or in physical therapy patients but the point was is they did this study and they were like what makes someone heal the most was it you know where the where the clinician went to school how many languages the clinician spoke what was the emotional intelligence of the clinician like they went through all these factors to figure out what was the greatest guarantor of a successful outcome and guess what it was it was trust. It was how much trust did that patient have in that clinician that would dictate how well that they improved. So it's kind of like placebo in a way that like if you believe in the person and your practitioner, you're going to get way better results. So well, one, find a practitioner you trust. There's that. And then really trust them, you know? Yeah. And recognize that it's not just even the practitioner. It's their mm -hmm. office and where it's located. And it's your ability to heal yourself. Like, we all have little mini doctors inside of us. We all have a pharmacy inside of us. Yeah. Your brain can unleash any chemical it needs to. So just remember that you have it in you, and sometimes you just need the Dumbo's feather to open it up. And I use the analogy Dumbo's feather. If you're not familiar with the Disney movie Dumbo, there was this elephant who could fly with his ears and his little mouse friend gave him a feather and said, this is your magic feather and you can fly when we give you this feather. And then Dumbo loses it. He's like, oh shit, I lost my feather. I can't fly. And, and, and the mouse is like, you could fly all along. That feather was just, you just needed an anchor to believe in yourself, but like, you can always fly. You know, here, you know, you always, you could always fly. It's just a feather. And Dumbo's like, oh my gosh, do I, can, like Dumbo had to basically move from beta to alpha and recognize, oh, you know, I can fly without that feather. I can believe and then see it versus I have to see it to believe it. And so Dumbo then flies without the feather. So I like to call, you know, when we talk about placebo or these doctors, let's call them Dumbo's feather. Like, like you might need something to believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I love the term psychosomatic illness just like 
in some ways, everything is a psychosomatic illness, just as all of reality is a psychosomatic illness. So it's like, why is one illness real and one psychosomatic? Why aren't they all just, you know, why aren't they all just generated right. by our minds and our karma and our all things like that? Anyway. But, Anyways. Yeah. I want you to, like, why don't we talk about, oh, I want to talk about how you can get into alpha state. Yeah. Okay. You want to do Silva's alpha state. Okay. Yep. So I want to... So I want to talk real quick. Chris talked about how you can put yourself in an alpha state by being aware of the five senses in your mind. And then obviously meditation, pretty much I would guess almost any type of meditation will help facilitate you getting into a alpha state. And then the Jose Silva mind control method, which I'm going to discuss right now, is a way of putting yourself in a alpha state. And I would, just to give a little bit of background about him, I think his story is fascinating. He came up with the Silva mind control method, which was extremely, extremely popular in the 70s and 80s. And then when he died, it kind of disappeared because I think there was a lot of... Controversy con with the IP. What's IP? Intellectual property. He had 10 kids. So Jose Silva, you know, you have your Eastern meditation, your Western... We have Tex-Mex meditation here. And I really relate to this guy's story because I'm also from a border town and... He lived on the border between Laredo and Nuevo Laredo, which is in Mexico, and he would travel back and forth, and he was in the army, and somehow during army training, he got interested in psychology, and so he started reading a lot of stuff on psychology, and he started to learn about hypnosis. He's kind of like the person who popularized hypnosis as we know it, and he had 10 children, and he decided he was going to use what he was learning in these books to help his children do better in school. So he was teaching his children how to go into different states of mind and then he would like ask them their homework and he noticed that if he gave them facts and stuff when they were in the alpha, theta, or delta states, they were more likely to do well on their tests, etc. So he was testing his daughter, I think her name was Isabel or Isabella or something, and he started to notice that she would answer the question before he said it. He would be thinking in his mind, who is the 16th president? And before he could formulate the question, she would say the answer. And he was like, what the hell? She's somehow expanding her consciousness to reach outside of her body even. So he got really interested in all the different brain states and what you could do in them. And... He got very interested. He was hypnotizing all his kids and the neighbor's kids and even the neighbors because they were finding out that they could really expand their intuition with this technique. Well, then he wasn't making any money and he's like, you know what, I can't make money off of this. I don't even know what to do, so forget it. So he vowed never to like indulge in psychology again. He needed to focus on, on supplying for his family. So that night he had a dream and Mother Mary came to him and she gave him four numbers. He woke up and he was looking everywhere for those four numbers. He said, it must be a license plate. So his friend calls him up. He's like, hey, I got to go across the border to, to Mexico to pick up some supplies. Why don't you come with me? So he told his friend the story. He's like, keep your eye on the lookout for those four numbers. I think it's a license plate of the person who's going to help me launch my psychology thing. And uh, he goes to a little shop in Mexico and his friend sees the four numbers on a lottery ticket. He's like, aren't these the four numbers? He's like, yes, we buys it. He ends up winning the equivalent in pesos to what is $50,000 US dollars today. So he had now enough money to invest in his course to, to focus on this and create a system. So he worked on it from 1953 to like the 1990s. This is like 50 years of research to go into this method, the Silva Mind Control Method. And basically, one of the things you can do is you can train your mind to go into alpha by, he calls it the three, two, one. So you close your eyes and you imagine the number three flashing three times and then the number two flashing three times and then the number one flashing three times. And number th when you see the number three, you relax your body. When you see the number two, you relax your mind. 
And when you see number one, you get centered. And then you tell yourself that I'm now in the alpha state. So that's a very quick way to train yourself to get into alpha. And you hearing this podcast does not do you justice. You either need to read the Silva book, the Silva Mind Control book, or take the Silva Mind Control class. There's one on Mind Valley. We'll put all this in the show notes. But I don't want you to substitute, I don't want you to substitute this podcast for some really good deep training and work. But that's one example of one way you could do it. Right. And then to come back into beta, you just tell yourself, when I count forwards to five, I'll be back into beta. One, two, three, four, five. And there's that. How do you relax the mind? Whatever, whatever thoughts you're having, you don't resist them. You just like be like, I'm having these thoughts, and that's okay. Like okay. You don't be like, I have to have a clean mind. I have to have a clear mind. That's creating a lot of tension in the mind. Okay. Another technique you can use, which is what Marissa Peer, a famous hypnotherapist, does, who has a great course, which we're going to discuss some other time, I'm sure, but we'll put that in the show notes too. It's called Uncompromised Life. She has you roll your eyes up to the top of your head, look up at your forehead, and that will make your eyes blink. I'm kind of put, putting you into a little bit of REM. And then she has you close your eyes, relax your eyes, you can relax your body. Then you imagine yourself going down a staircase from 10 to 1. And when you hit 1, I don't think it's alpha. I think you're being put into theta or delta. I it's, think it's theta. I think it's I, very deep. It is. It is. There's another hypnotherapist, Lacey Th- Phillips, who she always says she's putting people into theta. Okay. So it must so be she theta does all state. her reparenting and manifesting yeah. stuff in a theta state. When I'm doing a lot of my talk to your demon work, which we've talked in previous episodes, when I'm giving myself past life regressions or friends, the same thing, or just even trying to understand some deeper stuff, or I want to just have a good conversation with my angels and I really want some clear messages, I will put my self in theta using the Marissa Peer method of the eyes rolled up, counting down the stairs to one. And then I always imagine a door and I tell myself, I say, when my eyes are rolled up, I say, you're going to go down a staircase in a little bit. And when you get to that door, behind that door is your past life or behind that door is the council of angels or behind that door is whatever. So I, I, I set myself up with an intention before I even travel down the stairs. Then when I get to the bottom of the stairs, I tell myself these three things, which Marissa Peer doesn't, but I got these from Brian Weiss. I tell myself, you can remember anything that has ever happened to you. You are beyond space. And then I say, and you are beyond time. And when I give myself those three suggestions before I open the door, I feel like I have opened up that theta channel to be like, I am beyond time. I am beyond space. I can remember anything that's ever happened to me. Like I can remember those planes before I was even born when I was conversing with angels. Like I am no longer eliminated by the beta matrix. So those are some good suggestions. I will put in the show notes as well links to the Brian Weiss book that does have a script in the back. And as a 16-year-old, I actually recorded on a freaking cassette tape his script and played it back to myself and that's how I started off giving myself past life regressions and after a year or two of doing it it was clear that I could put myself into theta without a script just doing what I've told you yeah yeah that's awesome and finally I think the last thing that we're going to be talking about is I'm just going to talk about alpha and dousing and being able to do healing releases on people when you do dousing releases so when you do energetic releases on people you almost always have to be in an alpha state in order to be as effective as possible. For me, I've recognized that it it sometimes makes it hard to function that I can easily slip into an alpha state with most of the things that I do. It's how I am a psychic. And when I'm a psychic, I think I'm, I believe, I don't have any proof of it, but I believe that I'm going into an alpha state. I think I'm in, I was thinking about the other day, I think I spend a third of my day in alpha. Yeah, I think I do as well. And I think it's just because you're constantly looking into that other unseen field of, of 
what else do I need to know that I don't know? And it's like you're constantly I'm looking constantly to that intuition. To my angels. <laughs> yeah, you're constantly talking to your angels, and, and so am I. And I'm doing energetic releases on people all the time. So I've gotten very good at being able to go into alpha. And one of the things that I learned in my dancing conference a couple of weekends ago was that alpha is the state that you need to be into to be the most effective in dowsing with energetic releases. So I've talked about in a past episode about doing the work on Milledgeville, which is where I live, and how I was releasing and dispossessing it of ghosts and hauntings and things like that, and how I've done a lot of work with people on headaches. I've released headaches. I've released, I've been able to release systemic yeast infections in people. I've been able to do this. These are what my teachers have taught me to do over time, and they've taught me, and I've been effective because of Alpha. So my random act of kindness today is I... The entire time that I've been talking, which is the shining object, I have been releasing everybody. I've been basically releasing everyone of any undue negative influences from social media, religion, the news, anything that is affecting you in a negative fashion and is changing your frequency as a result of the information it's sharing with you. We are pulling everyone into a state of not having a fragmented soul. Another way of saying that is that all parts of you are here and present and that you are fully put into your body. And if you are not receptive to that, then you will not receive it. So don't worry. And finally, we're moving everybody into the correct mind spin, which is a clockwise mind spin, and moving everyone onto their proper frequency for their best and highest good. So hopefully you can listen to this and you feel refreshed and better. Even if you're not in an alpha state, there's a part of you and the part of the alpha part of you that's always operating is receiving it. All right. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Spiritual Fix, and we hope that you enjoyed that release there at the end. Have you checked us out on Instagram? We sometimes do IG Lives between seasons, and we also have fun memes that go up on there. Our handle is at this.spiritual.fix. Have a wonderful day. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. 
Let me tell you all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.